Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast where two brothers talk about recent movies. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley, and I'm really excited to be here. This week, we are going to be talking about the recent thriller Beirut. Uh, But before we get into that movie, we wanted to give a genre recommendation for a diplomatic movie. And Ty, what is your pick for that genre? I'm going to talk a little bit about The Constant Gardener. Uh, I recently had to revisit that one uh, because I was thinking about a story uh, sort of similar to it, and someone told me they thought my story was the same as The Constant Gardener. So I got to go back and look at it again, and it's a good movie, but it's very um, sentimental and nothing like the film I was thinking about developing, so that person was wrong. Uh, I do love uh, Rachel Weisz, though. Nice. Uh, For me... The kind of diplomatic movie I'm going to pick is a movie called Traitor. It has Don Cheadle in it. came out in the mid-2000s about uh, someone trying to uncover a plot uh, of a terrorist attack and uh, kind of working through what that what that looks like and how they can figure out who's involved. And I feel like that has a pretty good, satisfying twist to the ending. Okay. I don't remember that one, but I think I saw it. Yeah. Maybe something to go back to. I don't think you rewatch movies, but I do sometimes. There's just so many new ones, you know? Ugh. Well, let's really talk about how MoviePass doesn't let you see a movie twice now. Does that make you upset? Uh, I That's never been a problem for me. Mm. I don't go to movies twice. <laughs> do, uh, do you? And it doesn't let you now? Sometimes I'll go see... I went and saw Black Panther twice. Like, if it's a good, big movie, I'll go... I would have gone and seen it twice in the past. But it does not let you anymore. It's a new policy they have. Mm. Well, they got to save their sinking ship somehow. No, I'm just riding it out until it's gone because I don't yeah. think it's going to last the year. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna suck to go back to normal movie buying. I'll just see a lot fewer movies. Yeah, I guess that's true. Get some more time back. We'll still do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the number of movies we were seeing was not the constraint. Well, let's talk about a movie that I did see using Movie Pass, Beirut. Um, I, I also saw it using MoviePass. Strange how that works. What did you think about the structure, storytelling, I don't know, composition of, of the movie Beirut? Oh, I went into this with really low expectations. For some reason, I thought it was not well rated, and I was like, I don't even really want to see it, but okay, I'll go. Um, but I thought it was great, and I thought it... Um, I liked the structure. I thought it sets it up really well with that first opening... Um, the opening sequence, I mean, just from a writing perspective, John Hamm walking around that room schmoozing like that. I loved that opening scene. I thought it was so good. Yeah. Uh, it just sets up everything. I feel like you, it creates this tension like, uh, you know something bad's going to happen to this guy, even though he's so good at his job. I, I thought it was kind of amazing to have that scene. And then, when, you know, when he goes back 10 years later, the contrast of what happened to that city is I thought they did a great job kind of showing how the political unrest and the situation with, you know, all the Palestinians just destroyed the structure of that city. And also his life. Parallel. A parallel destruction. Yes, and his, and his life. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I'm serious. You are serious. Okay, you, you felt for, for John Hamm. You thought he was a sympathetic character? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Wait, you didn't? I guess I, I feel lo- like... I love John Hamm by them in the movie, and I wanted to give him a hug. I feel like he didn't always make the most logical decisions with how he handled the negotiations and when he did stuff on his own. 
Uh, yeah, it made the context being that he was making those decisions 10 years after having his the love of his life and his wife cruelly killed, plunging him into a deep depression. Like, I, I'm going to give that guy the benefit of the freaking doubt, you know? Okay. You, not so much? High standards? I don't know. It just... Does it ever work to be like, they'll only talk to one person? I just... When they only want to negotiate with one person in any situation, I think there's always going to be trouble. <laughs> okay. So dubious. Jeez. Okay. I, I also thought it was great because I felt like there were a lot of surprises. Like, I felt like it was a movie where I couldn't guess what was coming next, and I think that's a, a great sign of a good movie. Like, when um, they first meet the Palestinians and the one shoots the other one in the head. Oh, my gosh. That was so shocking. Or when his his lecture gets blown up just as a cover to get him. I mean, just it's so crazy that they're willing to blow up a lecture, probably kill some people, just as a way a pretense to get him alone. Or the assassination of the the older brother in by the Israeli. I don't think the assassination was so surprising, but when you when it cuts to the <laughs> the the fat Israeli guy with the Bulgarian girlfriend uh, running to the helicopter, the airplane, whatever it was. Yeah. It's like, oh snap! When they brought him back, because you know you meet him at the at the beginning, or yeah, you meet him earlier. And you don't yeah. really realize what's going on, and then yeah, it's nice to see that character again. I mean, did you see those things coming? I didn't. I think the thing that was, I don't even know if the movie telegraphed it, but just movies, because I've seen other movies, I knew someone in his group was going to be dirty. You know, Uh one of those CIA people, it was going to be a little crooked. And I think that's just because in every movie, someone in that powerful position is a little crooked. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's a good trope. Did you think there was a kind of romantic tension there between him and the lead actress? Rosamund Pike? Rosamund Pike, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. But she, um, I mean, they address it. They even talk about it, right? Where she says something like, oh, I get lonely out here. We get lonely out here, so it's okay. Yeah. I feel like that's a shade, that's a, that's her saying, um, I'd sleep with you too. Uh, <laughs> it's complicated is her relationship status. <laughs> no, it's not. It's super simple. <laughs> Oh, you're here? Oh, you're the guy that's here? Okay. Yikes. Uh, besides John Hamm, how did you feel like, yeah, Rosamund Pike or the other actors did in, in this movie? Um, I mean, I thought they were good. I, I don't, I don't, I remember thinking when I came out of it, uh, that I didn't think the acting was spectacular. Rosamund Pike's always a little stiff to me. I mean, maybe that's like obvious to everyone, but. No, I was just going to ask, does she seem a little flat to you? Because I don't get a lot of like fire or, I don't know, kind of emotion coming from her. No, but I feel like that's her brand, you know? So that's what you get when you hire her. And it can work pretty effectively. Uh, she's in Hostiles, right? I mean, yeah. she's great in that. But because she's supposed to be kind of cold and distant and. and stoic. Yeah. She does stoic, it's her thing. Um, yeah, when I, uh, when I got out, I Googled if it was a true story or not, and it's not a true story. I mean, obviously it's taking place within the context of true events, but, um... Like historical fiction. Yeah, but I guess when I was Googling, I also found out that people criticized the movie for it, the minimization of the Arabic, of the Arab characters, kind of lumping together all Palestinians, and the fact that it never really explains why, um, it doesn't go into the nuances of the people that he's fighting, but I don't think that's true. I feel like it gave enough detail, and 
and I had because I, I had to have a I had to have an understanding of why why would this um, PLO be doing attacks in Beirut, and I feel like I left understanding enough to believe the movie. Yeah, I thought they put it in a, a setting that seemed reasonable, and then you know set up all the destruction and talked about how you know Beirut had been broken down into those different sort of militant areas, and they showed him going through checkpoints and you know discussions with the Israeli government about uh, you know about finding this terrorist. Yeah. Do you feel like they? I don't know. Doing it paid off sort of directorially. And I guess maybe the one thing that I noticed is that a lot of the scenes seemed just sort of dark, and maybe that was just sort of to show the situation in Beirut, but I feel like it wasn't always really clear what was going on, or wasn't as well lit as I would have liked, Hmm. or just kind of washed out. I don't remember thinking that. I don't know. Okay. I think it did have a it did have kind of a, a grungy, decaying in the sun kind of a feel because I think because I think Beirut is hot and kind of things break down there f- physically and also politically. Okay. Are there other likes or dislikes you wanted to make sure we're talking about with Beirut? No, I mean, I also kind of liked it uh, because it was pretty simple in terms of just, you know, it's very simple. If you were to diagram the plot, it would make a lot of sense and it's easy to explain that a CIA operative is kidnapped and his friend is brought in because he asked for him to get him back and he has to negotiate. I think that's a, I view that as a positive thing. I think it's nice that they've got this very um, understandable story, but they do it in a context and with characters that are interesting enough to keep you engaged. I think I, I guess I would say the one scene that I really liked was or I thought was kind of effective was when he did get to finally interview him and he kept repeating this phrase that didn't really make sense to me, but then it was a clue and, you know, it helped John Hamm solve the mystery and like take the next step. And I just thought that was a you know pretty clever sort of spy craft de- depiction in the movie in a way that I don't feel like I'd seen in other, other movies. Yeah. That was a fun, fun little detail. Okay. Should we give this movie a rating? Yeah, let's give it a rating. I'll let you go first. What do you think? Out of five for Beirut. Yeah. This is, this is one of those days where I wish we could do halves, but we cannot. So I'm going to go with four. I wanted to give it a four and a half. It was so good. I loved it, but it's also probably not going to stay with me forever. You know, that's fair. Uh, I am also going to give it a four. I feel like they did enough good things with the story and setting it up. Um, and I do think John Hamm, who hasn't really found a good spot in movies, did really well in this role. I feel like he was very engaging. And, you know, when he's really happy, he does that well. And when he's also, you know, depressed and a drunk, it's just like, oh, they got the guy from Mad Men to be in this spy movie. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, exactly. They knew he could. They knew he could do it. Okay. Before we wrap up, what's another uh, pop culture recommendation you have? Why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm happy to. <laughs> Revy and I have been watching the show Killing Eve on the AMC network. Uh, it's written by Phoebe Waller Bridge, who did the TV show Fleabag, and is about a British intelligence agent and an assassin that's working for a sort of nebulous organization. And the intelligence agent is played by Sandra Oh, and she's hunting down this assassin and they're interacting. But the writing is really clever and funny and it's mostly female driven, which I think is really interesting. And I think just sort of structurally, it's put together really well. So I'd highly recommend 
Killing Eve on AMC. I watched uh, three episodes, and then I was like, okay. So... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why we're so different, but uh, if I feel like I feel like the the joke or the game for um, for Sandra O's character is that she kind of like downplays everything or is not unconfident, but kind of um, just says things very casually or like stumbles into things. I don't know. Would you say that's a fair characterization? Yeah. No, I think that's pretty accurate. But part of the writing. I would say. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about that. That I don't know what it is about that kind of uh, a joke, but there's something about it where I'm just like, okay, it's an accident, or or it's so subtle, it's like not intentional, and so therefore it makes her less interesting as a character to me. But okay, did you watch Fleabag? No, I thought that show was great. Okay, well, I'll watch three episodes. <laughs> And, and see maybe, if you can stop at three. Exactly. Maybe more. I'm not saying I won't watch more. I'll watch at least three. Okay. Uh, mine is that I've uh, gotten in on the last few weeks into watching season five of Silicon Valley. And I would say it's unambiguous in my mind that Silicon Valley is my favorite TV show. But season five, it, it's really good. And I just love the characters so much. But I would say so far, it's not It's not. Cool. Why is good as I've liked other seasons, but the problem I have with that show is it's like they get into this impossible situation every season and then they get out of it, but then they just get into another sort of impossible situation brought on by their own hubris and poor character choices. Exactly. And then, they, and then they get out of it some, you know, some miraculous way. I don't know, but it's lost a little bit of the luster for me. Yeah. I love, I mean, that's why I love it is because the stakes are always so high and they go, uh, they're flipping back and forth so fast. And it's so funny to me. It's so funny that, <laughs> that they can go from, uh, from zero to winning and then back again so fast. Oh my gosh. And those, and the look on their faces when they, when they realize their fortune is just completely flipped. So funny to me. But there's been a lot of, I think, I feel like in season five, there's been a lot more dumb jokes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can remember specific. Is that the most recent season or? Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to another podcast by Two Brothers Review. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And if you're in a May shower, stay dry. Sure. <laughs> I got so wet today. A what shower? A May shower. Oh, who knew? Thought it was April showers. <laughs> Well, maybe people aren't going to get what I meant. Dang it. No one makes it to the end of a podcast anyway. Anyway.